Chapter 18 of Don O'Hara, The Girl Who Laughed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leanne Howlett. Don O'Hara, The Girl Who Laughed by Edna Ferber. Chapter 18 Peter Orme. A man's figure rose from the shadows of the porch and came forward to meet us as we swung up to the curbing. I stifled a scream in my throat. As I shrank back into the seat I heard the quick intake of von Gerhard's breath as he leaned forward to peer into the darkness. A sick dread came upon me. "'Say, girl,' drawled the man's voice, with a familiar little cackling laugh in it. "'Say, girl, the policeman on the beats got me spotted for a suspicious character.' I've been hoofing it up and down this block like a distracted mamma waiting for her daughter to come home from a boat ride. Blackie, it's only you. Thanks, flatterer, simpered Blackie, coming to the edge of the walk as I stepped from the automobile. Was you expectin' the landlady? I don't know just whom I expected. I, I'm nervous, I think, and you startled me. Dr. von Gerhard was taken back for a moment, weren't you, doctor? Von Gerhard laughed ruefully. "'Frankly, yes. It is not early, and visitors at this hour.' "'What in the world is it, Blackie?' I put in. "'Don't tell me that Norberg has been seized with one of his fiendish inspirations at this time of night.' Blackie struck a match and held it for an instant so that the flare of it illuminated his face as he lighted his cigarette. There was no laughter in the deep-set black eyes. "'What is it, Blackie?' I asked again. The horror of what von Gerhard had told me made the prospect of any lesser trial a welcome relief. "'I got to talk to you for a minute. Perhaps von Gerhard had better hear it, too. I telephoned you an hour ago. Tried to get you out to the bay. Waited here ever since. Got a parlor or something where a guy can talk?' I led the way indoors. The first floor seemed deserted. The bare, unfriendly boarding-house parlor was unoccupied, and one dim gas-jet did duty as illumination. "'Bring in the set-pieces,' muttered Blackie, as he turned two more gas-jets flaring high. "'This parlor just yells for a funeral.' Von Gerhard was frowning. "'Mrs. Orme is not well,' he began. "'She has had a shock, some startling news concerning—' "'Her husband?' inquired Blackie coolly. "'I started up with a cry. "'How could you know?' A look of relief came into Blackie's face. "'That helps a little. Now listen, kid.' And when I get through, remember, I'm there with a little help and mitt. Have a cigarette, Doc? No, said von Gerhard shortly. Blackie's strange black eyes were fastened on my face, and I saw an expression of pity in their depths as he began to talk. I was up at the press club tonight, dropped in for a minute or two like I always do on the rounds. The place sounded kind of still when I come up the steps and I wonder where all the boys was. Looked into the billiard room, nothing doing. Poked my head in at the writing room, same. Ambled into the reading room, empty. Well, I steered for the dining room, and there was the bunch. And just as I come in, they give a roar, and I started to investigate. Up against the fireplace, with one hand in his pocket, and the other hanging careless-like on the mantel, stood a man, stranger to me. He was talking kind of low and quick, biting off his words like an Englishman. And the boys, they were staring with their eyes and their mouths and forgetting to smoke and letting their pipes and cigars go dead in their hands while he talked. Talk. Say, girl, that guy, he could talk the leads right out of a ruled, locked form. I didn't catch his name. 
tall, thin, unearthly-looking chap with the whitest teeth you ever saw, and eyes, well, his eyes was something like a lighted pipe with a little fine ash over the red just waiting for a sudden pull to make it glow. Peter, I moaned and buried my face in my hands. Von Gerhard put a quick hand on my arm, but I shook it off. I'm not going to faint, I said through set teeth. I'm not going to do anything silly. I want to think. I want to... Go on, Blackie. Just a minute, interrupted von Gerhard. Does he know where Mrs. Orme is living? I'm coming to that, returned Blackie tranquilly. Though for Don's sake, I'll say right here he don't know. I told him later that she was taking a vacation up at her folks in Michigan. Thank God, I breathed. Wore a New York press club button, this guy did. I asked one of the boys standing on the outer edge of the circle what the fellow's name was, but he only says, Shut up, Black, and listen. He's seen every darn thing in the world. Well, I listened. He wasn't bragging. He wasn't talking big. He was just talking. Seems like he'd been war correspondent in the Boer War and the Spanish-American and God knows where. He spoke low, not using any big words either, and I thought his eyes looked something like those of the black cat up on the mantel just over his head. You know what I mean. When the electric lights is turned on inside, the ugly thing. Well, every time he showed signs of stopping, one of the boys would up with a question and start him going again. He knew everybody and everything and everywhere. All of a sudden, one of the boys points to the Roosevelt signature on the wall, the one he scrawled up there along with all the other celebrities first time he was entertained by the press club boys. Well, this guy, he looked at the name for a minute. Roosevelt, he says slow. Oh, yes, seems to me I've heard of him. Well, at that, the boys yelled. Thought it was a good joke, seeing that Ted has been smeared all over the first page of everything for years. But, kid, I seen the look in that man's eyes when he said it, and he wasn't joking, girl. And it came to me, all of a sudden, that all the things he'd been talking about had happened almost ten years back. After he'd made that break about Roosevelt, he kind of shut up and strolled over to the piano and began to play. You know that bum old piano with half a dozen dead keys and no tune? I looked up for a moment. He could make you think that it was a concert grand, couldn't he? He hasn't forgotten even that. Forgotten? Girl, I don't know what his accomplishments was when you knew him, but if he was any more fascinating than he is now, then I'm glad I didn't know him. He could charm the pay envelope away from a reporter that was Saturday broke. Something seemed to urge me to go up to him and say, Have a game of billiards? Don't care if I do, says he, and swung his long legs off the piano stool and we made for the billiard room with the whole gang after us. Say, girl, I'm a modest violet, I am, but I don't mind mentioning that the general opinion up at the club is that I'm a little wizard with the cue. Well, when he got through with me, I looked like little sister when Big Brother is trying to teach her how to hold the cue in her fingers. He just sent them balls wherever he thought they'd look pretty. I'll bet if he'd held up his thumb and finger and said, Jump through this, them balls would have jumped. Von Gerhard took a couple of quick steps in Blackie's direction. His eyes were blue steel. Is this then necessary? he asked. All this leads to what? Has not Mrs. Orme suffered enough that she should undergo this idle chatter? It is sufficient that she knows this, this man is here. It is a time for action, not for words. Actions coming later, Doc, drawled Blackie, looking impish. Monologuing ain't my specialty. I generally let the other gink talk. You never can learn nothing by talking. But I got something to say to Don here. Now, in case you're bored the least bit, why don't hesitate one minute to— Nah, you are quite right, and I was hasty, said von Gerhard, and his eyes, with the kindly gleam in them, smiled down upon the little man. 
"'It is only that both you and I are over-anxious to be of assistance to this unhappy lady. "'Well, we shall see. "'You talked with this man at the press club?' "'He talked. I listened.' "'That would be Peter's way,' I said bitterly. "'How he used to love to hold forth, and how I grew to long for blessed silence, "'for fewer words and more of that reserve which means strength.' "'All this time,' continued Blackie, "'I didn't know his name.' When we'd finished our game of billiards, he hung up his cue, and then he turned round like lightning and faced the boys that were standing around with their hands in their pockets. He had an odd little smile on his face, a smile with no fun in it, if you know what I mean. Guess you do, maybe, if you've seen it. "'Boys,' says he, smiling that twisted kind of smile, "'boys, I'm looking for a job. I'm not much of a talker, and I'm only an amateur at music, and my game of billiards is ragged.' But there's one thing I can do, fellows, from ABC up to XYZ, and that's right. I can write, boys, in a way to make your pet little political scribe sound like a high school paper. I don't promise to stick. As soon as I get on my feet again, I'm going back to New York. But not just yet. Meanwhile, I'm going to the highest bidder. Well, you know, since Merkel left us, we haven't had a day when we wasn't scooped on some political guff. I guess we can use you, some place, I says, trying not to look too anxious. If your ideas on salary can take a slump between New York and Milwaukee, our salaries around here is more what is elegantly known as a stipend. What's your name, Bo? Name, says he, smiling again. Maybe it'll be familiar to you. That is, it will if my wife is using it. Orm's my name, Peter Orm. Know a lady of that name? Good. I hadn't said I did, but those eyes of his had seen the look on my face. Friends in New York told me she was here, he says. Where is she now? Got her address, he says. She expecting you, I asked. No, not exactly, he says, with that crooked grin. Thought not, I answered, before I knew what I was saying. She's up north with her folks on a vacation. The devil she is, he says. Well, in that case, can you let me have ten until Monday? Blackie came over to me as I sat cowering in my chair. He patted my shoulder with one lean brown hand. Now, kid, you dig, see? Beat it. Go home for a week. I'll fix it up with Norberg. No tellin' what a guy like that's going to do. Send your brother-in-law down here if you want to make it a family affair, and between us we'll see this thing through. I looked up at von Gerhard. He was nodding approval. It all seemed so easy, so temptingly easy, to run away, not to face him until I was safe in the shelter of Nora's arms. I stood up, resolved lending me new strength and courage. I am going. I know it isn't brave, but I can't be brave any longer. I'm too tired, too old. I grasped the hand of each of those men who had stood by me so staunchly in the year that was past. The words of thanks that I had on my lips ended in dry, helpless sobs. And because Blackie and von Gerhard looked so pathetically concerned and so unhappy in my unhappiness, my sobs changed to hysterical laughter, in which the two men joined after one moment's bewildered staring. So it was that we did not hear the front door slam or the sound of footsteps in the hall. Our overstrained nerves found relief in laughter, so that Peter Orme, a lean, ominous figure in the doorway, looked in upon a merry scene. I was the first to see him, and at the sight of the emaciated figure with its hollow cheeks and its sunken eyes all terror and hatred left me, and I felt only a great pity for this wreck of manhood. Slowly I went up to him there in the doorway. "'Well, Peter?' I said. "'Well, Don, old girl,' said he, "'you're looking wonderfully fit. Grass widowhood seems to agree with you, eh?' 
and I knew then that my dread dream had come true. Peter advanced into the room with his old easy grace of manner. His eyes glowed as he looked at Blackie. Then he laughed, showing his even white teeth. "'Why, you little liar,' he said in his crisp, clear English. "'I've a notion to thwack you. What do you mean by telling me my wife's gone? You're not sweet on her yourself, eh?' Von Gerhard stifled an exclamation, and Orme turned quickly in his direction. "'Who are you?' he asked. "'Still another admirer? Jolly time you were having when I interrupted.' He stared at Von Gerhard deliberately and coolly. A little frown of dislike came into his face. "'You're a doctor, aren't you? I knew it. I can tell by the hands and the eyes and the skin and the smell. Live with them for ten years, damn them.' "'Don, tell these fellows they're excused, will you? "'And by the way, you don't seem very happy to see me.' "'I went up to him then and laid my hand on his arm. "'Peter, you don't understand. "'These two gentlemen have been all that is kind to me. "'I am happy to know that you are well again. "'Surely you do not expect me to be joyful at seeing you. "'All that pretense was left out of our lives long before your illness. "'It hasn't been all roses for me since then, Peter. "'I've worked until I wanted to die with weariness.' You know what this newspaper game is for a woman. It doesn't grow easier as she grows older and tireder. Oh, cut out the melodrama, Don, sneered Peter. Have either of you fellows the makings about you? Thanks. I'm famished for a smoke. The worrying words of ten years ago rose automatically to my lips. Aren't you smoking too much, Peter? The tone was that of a harassed wife. Peter stared. Then he laughed his short, mirthless little laugh. "'By Jove, Don, I believe you're as much my wife now as you were ten years ago. I always said, you know, that you would have become a first-class nagger if you hadn't had such a keen sense of humor. That saved you.' He turned his mocking eyes to von Gerhard. "'Doesn't it beat the devil how these good women stick to a man once they're married? There's a certain dog-like devotion about it that's touching.' There was a dreadful little silence. For the first time in my knowledge of him, I saw a hot, painful red dyeing Blackie's sallow face. His eyes had a menace in their depths. Then, very quietly, von Gerhard stepped forward and stopped directly before me. "'Don,' he said very softly and gently, "'I retract my statement of an hour ago. If you will give me another chance to do as you asked me, I shall thank God for it all my life. There is no degradation in that. To live with this man—' That is degradation, and I say you shall not suffer it. I looked up into his face, and it had never seemed so dear to me. The time for that is past, I said, my tone as calm and even as his own. A man like you cannot burden himself with a derelict like me, mast gone, sails gone, water-logged, drifting. Five years from now you'll thank me for what I am saying now. My place is with this other wreck tossed about by wind and weather until we both go down together. There came a sharp, insistent ring at the doorbell. No answering sound came from the regions above stairs. The ringing sounded again louder than before. "'I'll be the buttons,' said Blackie, and disappeared into the hallway. "'Oh, yes, I've heard about you,' came to our ears, a moment later, in a high, clear voice, a dear, beloved voice that sent me flying to the door in an agony of hope. "'Nora!' I cried. "'Nora, Nora, Nora!' And as her blessed arms closed about me, the tears that had been denied me before came in a torrent of joy. "'There, there,' murmured she, patting my shoulder with those comforting mother pats. "'What's all this about? And why didn't somebody meet me? I telegraphed. You didn't get it?' 
Well, I forgive you. How do you do, Peter? I suppose you are Peter. I hope you haven't been acting devilish again. That seems to be your specialty. Now don't smile that Mephistophelian smile at me. It doesn't frighten me. Von Gerhard, take him down to his hotel. I'm dying for my kimono in bed, and this child is trembling like a racehorse. Now run along, all of you. Things that look greenery yallery at night always turn pink in the morning. Great heavens, there's somebody calling down from the second floor landing. It sounds like a landlady. Run, Don, and tell her your perfectly respectable sister has come. Peter, von Gerhard, Mr. Blackie. Shoo. End of chapter 18